Biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and A.B. Trump on the White House lawn before he jetted off to New Orleans and jetted back to meet with the Clemson Tigers, national champions. Had uh, this... Had, oh, I was going to say they had a fancy feast, but you don't want to hear about it anymore. Yeah, Yeah, they had... You know, burgers and wings. Yeah, yeah because the staff was furloughed. So President Trump went out, well, hired somebody to get out Domino's Pizza, all that. It was wonderful. It's nice, nice. They got a taste got- of the real life because normally they have dietitians and smoothies in their weight room and all that fancy stuff. Yeah, I've seen their offensive, defensive lines. They have some yeah. fast food, too. Uh, here's uh, Trump on the lawn talking about the state of play with a China trade deal. We're doing very well with China. Uh, They're having a hard time with their economy because of the tariffs. Uh, We're doing very well with our economy. We're at records. Our unemployment numbers just hit a record, another record. Uh, We're doing extremely well as a country. We're doing better than any country right now anywhere in the world. China wants to negotiate. I have a great relationship with President Xi because it's good to have relationships with Russia and China and Japan and India. And I have relationships with almost everybody and that's a good thing not a bad thing i think that we are going to be able to do a deal with china we i can tell you we are getting things that before i became president you would have had no chance of getting they would have laughed at your president's face and so on those uh words from the president about uh, alleged progress with the chinese the market bounced back a little bit yesterday after it opened down Uh, But today, we're starting to get uh, earnings reports from the banks, J.P. Morgan missing street estimates, and a lot of warning from the investotainment types that uh, the market is about to get bad news from corporate America. What does all of this portend for you and uh, your 401k? We'll now turn to our friend, Scott the Cow Guy Shalady. There he is. Fox Business contributor. Scott, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. No problem. All right. So you've been on the show many times. You said, look, uh, all of the uh, hysteria notwithstanding, as long as corporate profits stay strong, we're and that's an indication of a growing economy, we're in a good place. We're not going to have to uh, consider the specter of the R word. Uh, what are we uh, looking at with the corporate earnings reports that are forthcoming? I think, I mean, J.P. Morgan was going to be the big one today, and it came around, obviously, said they missed, and they, they didn't do well in trading. And it's really the self-inflicted wounds that they did to themselves the last six weeks of, of last year. And, I mean, talk about a manufactured crisis on the border. We had a manufactured crisis in, in, in the equity markets towards the end of last year. And, I mean, anything can happen. But having said that, with a 3.9% unemployment rate, with the GDP numbers that we see still crawling across the tape that are very good, I mean, it's going to be very difficult with corporate earnings still doing okay with all of those things pointing in that right direction. It's just going to make it really hard to go into a recession. And if, if Powell comes to play, like he said, now he's going to be more data-dependent and listen to what the markets are telling him, I, you know, I just think it's going to be hard to, to have all this, these doomsdayers have a recession come true. Yeah. Uh, the market can be frothy. Stocks are allowed to go down. That's okay. But man, it was like uh, it was like everybody was cutting themselves because they were disappointed with their behavior at the end of last year. And now their earnings reports are coming through, and they're like, "Oh, we actually were bleeding." Well, what a surprise! You know, you did it to yourself. Let's get going here. And I think already 
some of these banks have said that the beginning of this year has been better than obviously the last six weeks of last year. Well, and and also isn't part of the um, kind of controlling of expectations uh, is isn't that part of it? Because look, you can't uh, grow, you know, have twenty five percent net profit, you know, every year, and so you're coming off an unbelievably profitable year for corporations. Right, right, and that you know, Apple really is a big sufferer of that problem too. I mean. You just can't keep hitting grand slams every single day. So you have to take things in perspective. But, you know, it's these estimates, which are generally garbage, that we have to look at, and that's what the market judges everybody against. And you've heard a lot of folks, and I think I actually heard you talk about it yesterday. I mean, there's a movement now to get away from this short-termism that we see on Wall Street where everybody has to continually do better every three months and go back to the way it used to be because, you know, that every three months having to do better has caused a lot of problems between, say, the pay gap between the average worker and the CEOs. There's been a lot of issues that have come arisen from everything having to be better quarter on quarter. And maybe if we go back to the way it was in the 1970s, where we didn't worry about it as much and the pay gap was different, that might be a little bit of a, um, a you know a, a happier place. So there's a lot of things that are suffering from this expectation of always having to hit grand slams. It's not good. Well, Jamie Dimon had come forward to talk about the shutdown and said that it could reduce economic growth to zero this quarter if it continues. I mean, we're in day, what, 26 right now? And do you, is there any truth to that? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, he's also going to move everybody that works from in London to Frankfurt if there's a Brexit and, you know, a lot of other things he said that hasn't, you know, haven't come to fruition. So uh, he's sometimes a little bit off the cuff. And, any, any damage that this shutdown is doing right now will come back and it'll boomerang back and it'll be just fine. And, you know, just like the shutdown and just like the tariffs with China, you know, if you need to change something, and I think something does need to be changed with both of those, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of short-term pain for long-term gain. There's going to be some unintended consequences. But things need to change. And your, your fifth column comments this morning were fantastic, and I totally agree with that. There are things that, I mean, this all this president has done is just throw open, wide open, the problems with a lot of things that everybody wants to keep, you know, the same and status quo. And that's not the way that we should be going forward. And he's got enemies in every corner. You mentioned uh, Brexit, a big vote today. Theresa May expected to lose it. Uh, How much does the continued uh, tumult in the UK and uh, the sluggishness of Europe impact growth in the United States? Well, I think the market would... The market needs a surprise to really trade harder, lower, right? I mean, it's not to be a surprise if she loses it as a vote. Um, it's not a surprise that, again, the same things are happening over there that were happening here. They, they've thrown open the fact that uh, these politicians in the U.K. can't get anything done. They can't come to a consensus. And they don't really want to because they'd like to stay in cushy Europe. Most of the, you know, the, the politicians there did not vote to leave the European Union because they can still have their slush funds and their quiet parties. And it's it's... Uh, they've been thro- the, the, the people threw uh, off the blanket there of what the, the veil of what they were doing. And I think if they can't finally get a deal done, the people, uh, there's going to be a big problem because this is something that the, you know, the, the country voted for. And if they can't get the politicians to get behind what the country voted for, what do you, what do you think the problems are going to be over there versus what we have here? So that could be a real big deal to watch because, I think they're going to just, and they say crash out. I don't think we're even crashing out. They're just going to leave the European Union with no plan. That's probably not ideal. But you know what? It'll all be okay. And let me ask the question of 
how much is it going to cost? There's a lot of big numbers being talked about how much it's going to cost for the for Britain to leave the European Union. But what's the cost of staying in for the next 40 years? Right. Of maybe having to fund some army or bail out another country or bail out another banking system? It's it's mind-bogglingly big. So you just have to take the the good with the bad in the short term and rip that Band-Aid off. And you spend a lot of time in London, don't you? Fifteen of the last thirty years. Okay. Well, what are the people saying there? Do they want this? I, I was there three weeks ago. I, I had, there was a couple of dinner, dinner parties, and what the people are saying is this: they're sick and tired of the politicians. They can't get their act together and come up with some sort of agreement to leave the European on good European Union on good terms. And so they're like, you know what? Screw it. Let's fall out of you know Brexit. Let's crash out of you know Brexit. This is what the country wanted. Let's do it. Do what the country wanted, and let the politicians you know pay the price. I, there's uh, sort of the conventional wisdom from uh, the Beltway or from Wall Street uh, over the last few days leading into these earnings reports and the, the uh, state of play in Europe. In addition to Brexit, there's also a lot of hand-wringing over the absence of leadership with uh, you know the end of the Merkel era coming. And uh, I, I wonder how much you factor that in or you consider that in terms of political leadership uh, across the continent – not just in, you know, specifically in Europe, uh, specifically in, in, in Britain or some of the other individual countries. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and for a lot of the reasons that Trump was elected president here are a lot of the reasons why Merkel has been kind of pushed aside in Germany and what she's done to her country with her open borders issues. Um, you've got Italy thumbing its nose at, at Brussels and what the European Union wants to do to them. You've seen the, the turmoil that Greece has had to go through. Spain has still got issues. Portugal still got issues. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You can't call it a call it a black swan, but the problems in Europe, as maybe the second largest trading block in the world, are going to be huge because there is tumult. Every corner of, of the European Union is kind of in a in a little bit of a problem, and their GDPs are shrinking. They're not getting bigger. So take that all in, you know, detach, and then say why to yourself. Why do I want to yoke myself to this whole thing that's sinking? You know. I, I, I totally agree with the British electorate. Why do you want to you know, hitch your wagon to something that's absolutely sinking in front of your very eyes? This is a bad idea. And to make it real simple, look, I've, you know, I'm an American citizen and a British citizen. In America, we have 50 states, roughly the same time, you know, started roughly at the same time, definitely the same language and, and definitely pretty, pretty much the same culture. You've got 28 countries over there. And they didn't no same start date, no same culture, no same language. Whose idea was that that they should be together? Right. <laughs> the community of nations. It's one yeah, of those I fun mean, phrases that internationalists like to use. Yes. It's ridiculous. It's like they just wanted to spend the money to have the party to put it together so they could spend the money to have the party to break it up. I mean, it's garbage. <laughs> Let me ask you uh, this question uh, domestically. Mark Perry uh, over at Carpe Diem blog at American Enterprise Institute has this uh, chart that's making a lot of waves. Uh, some have called it the chart of the century. Uh, looking at price changes the last 20 years in America, selected consumer goods, services, wages, overall inflation the last 20 years, 98 to 2018, 56%. But uh, more affordable commodities, they've actually de declined or uh, been held constant in terms of price, real price. Cars, clothing, cell phone services declined in price. Computer software, toys, TVs. The things that have increased at a, a exponentially uh, an exponential rate compared to uh, the rate of inflation college tuition college yeah. textbooks 
hospital Shock. services, the things that are above that uh, overall inflation rate during that 20 year period, child care, Medicare service, medical care services. Uh, it, it's really interesting because what you see right here in this one chart is the things that have exploded in price, uh, you know, again, double, triple, quadrupling the rate of inflation over the last 20 years are things where the government is the major 100%. purchaser. 100 percent. I, I, I haven't seen the chart, but I would have told you anything the government's got its hand in is quadrupled. And anything the private sector's done has made it even more efficient. Technology's been involved and there's actually been deflation, not inflation. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it just seems like since we're talking about paradigm shifts, uh, this would be an opportune time to have a little bit of Econ 101 lesson for the electorate against the backdrop of de Blasio and uh, Ocasio-Cortez and Newsom and Inslee that want to uh, do single payer at the local level and, you know, raise margin rates to 70 percent and the rest of it. Well, well, maybe we can make things go up four more times. I mean, think about it. An acre of, an acre of corn in the 1930s yielded 40 bushels of corn per acre with technology and the things that we've done to those seeds with hybrids and science and what the american farmer has done to as well we now get over 200 bushels an acre right talk about deflation so that is american business and the science and technology at work god forbid the government gets involved with that but what we've seen with student loans or anything that the government's got a hand in you're exactly right it's it's they've ruined it they've absolutely ruined it Scott Shalady, Scott the Cow Guy, Fox Business Contributor. Scott, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. All right, see you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. The stories you need to know to start your day. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Dan-